You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The BRICS Report. China. All right, time for our BRICS Report. Today it's China. We welcome Managing Director of Emerging Markets and Africa at Deloitte and Touche. And that's Dr. Martin Davis. Martin, morning to you. Hi. What about the snub to President Obama at the G20 by the Chinese? Yeah, good morning, John. Unfortunately, this is probably the only thing we're going to remember out of a G20, which was held in, in Hangzhou in China last week. And of all the, you can imagine it, the protocol, the, the, the sort of planning for two years in advance, and the Chinese, many people believe, and one of the leading uh, sort of journalists in the FT wrote, it was an intentional snub. So if Obama arrives and there's no... Uh, rolling staircase to exit Air Force One. There's no red carpet. He's forced to exit the plane from the rear bottom, sort of small, small uh, sort of uh, metal stairs at the back of a plane. He has to exit. Major, major diplomatic snub. And to make matters worse, on the on the sort of apron, the tarmac of the, of the airport, uh, almost a physical fight breaks out between some, you know, some some U.S. Uh, arriving delegates, including the national security advisor. And, and Chinese protocol staff. So it really was a mess, but it just talks to the fraught relationship between United States and China. Uh, China's giving, giving faith, if you will, and correct protocol to every other head of state. But this is Obama's last visit to, to, to China as president, and certainly one I think he will, he will remember for a long time. Of course, he downplayed it and was very diplomatic mm. about it, but I think Americans got a very, very strong message there and the, the, how the Chinese responded on this. It's, uh, not good practice, one would say. I immediately thought, can you imagine what it's going to be like if Donald Trump becomes president? How international relations will go. But let's leave that one there, Martin. Tell us about this kid in Britain who's made a fortune with the baby names in China. This is a great story. So uh, the this, this 16-year-old A-level student in China, uh, in Britain goes on holiday with family to China and comes up with this brilliant business idea of choosing English, uh, English names for Chinese babies. It sounds kind of simple. She's made over a million rand so far equivalent. What? By charging a million rand, by charging 60 pence, which is about, what, 10, 12 rand per name. So she's created this web page, which has really gotten very popular in China. And, John, if you've been in China, you know, you often meet Chinese people, and they make a lot of effort, of course, into choosing Chinese names, but perhaps less effort into choosing English names, which they often use as a, you know, for, for, for interfacing mm. with with, with uh, foreign friends or at the workplace, whatever. I've come across some horrific names in my time. I've met Apples. I've met Rolexes. Uh, <laughs> I even met, you know, John, the worst name I ever came across, and I have a business card to prove it, was a guy in Shanghai called himself Donkey. And I was like, why did you call yourself Donkey? <laughs> so this girl saw this problem, saw a business opportunity here. And what this, this website is, people are Chinese couples, obviously, are plugging sort of the... She's, she's chosen described character traits, supposedly, that English names have. So if your name is John, you have certain character traits. If it's Martin, it's something else. Yes. And they plug this in. There's like 10 or 12 questions. They plug into this sort of very basic algorithm, and it spits out three names. Those names then go back to the, uh, to the person who's keen on you know, choosing the name uh, via WeChat and their relatives. They choose, and then they get a certificate of the English name they've chosen and what it means Brilliant. supposedly. And she's making 60 pence a pop on this. She's named over 200,000 Chinese babies so far, and she's only 16 years old, and she's making what, a lot of money. What a lesson there. Whenever you've got people and whenever you've got a, a demand, using technology, there is a way through it. I think that's a fabulous story, Martin. And KFC-flavored nail polish. Where's this Hong Kong? Yeah, I thought, uh, John, I thought it was, this, was, this was a bit of a joke, to be honest, until I went into a bit more great detail. So... 
Hong Kong, and you've heard of KFC's line, finger licking good. Well, they've taken it perhaps a little <laughs> bit too literally here. KFC in Hong Kong, I don't know, I don't think it's going to catch on around these parts, but it certainly has in Hong Kong. They've released um, nail polish with KFC chicken flavors. So it's got original flavor and hot and spicy flavor. This is this came out in a, in a very, I've seen the pictures of it, very swanky looking gift pack. And um, people now, it's, it's gone sort of very popular in Hong Kong. People are voting whether they want original or hot and spicy. And it really is. It's something which, which Ogilvy and Apple are leading sort of marketing uh, PR firms in the region is be promoting on behalf of KFC. And uh, once it dries, people literally lick it off and it lasts two to three days. Um, they've even created, they've all even launched on the whole marketing campaign, a very sort of uh, video, can I use the word cheesy? Is that the right yes, one Yes, cheesy, use? yes. C- certainly corny. I'll use the word corny. This, this corny marketing video to, to sort of push the product of edible <laughs> nail polish. Um, yeah. It, Maybe not. It didn't take China long to get into the lunacy of the of the modern world. Martin Davis, thank you very much indeed. And how about that story of the teenager? Isn't that fantastic?